this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Top Quality Fit Ministry. My name is uh, Billy, and I am the pastor in training for Top Quality Fit Ministries. Good morning. Uh, it's very nerve-wracking coming to this uh, spot and in twice a month because the last time I was here, I was basically struggling <laughs> struggling and uh, not only that it's just that coming to uh, this position I know the support of the Lord is here in presence while I was doing the message so I appreciate the how the Lord moved that day but before I start let's open up in prayer Father God you are an amazing God you led us to a new place in worship to just be in your presence, to just enjoy who you are in our life, Lord. So as we, as I move forward, as I teach this message, Lord, I surrender my mind, surrender my voice, surrender my will unto you, Lord, and let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's try to get comfortable here. It's always uncomfortable sitting here, and um, can, you good? It's not cool. We're not going to make confessions that's oh. uncomfortable. Oh. We're going to just surrender and allow God to use us. Because I think if we constantly say it's uncomfortable, then we find ourselves, when he wants to use us on the streets, we think it's uncomfortable and we won't answer that call. So it's so important that we just basically let him move and flow through us because that's who he is. Okay. And okay. so I praise God for the ebb and flow. For the constant uh, pouring of his spirit upon us that will continue to bring forth that fire. Billy, you got this. <laughs> yes, thank you for the reshifting, Pastor. And, and I really want to make sure I say that. Be who you are. Don't try to be what the other person is. Yes. You know, I've been doing a little bit longer, so the anointing is completely different. And then I have a different level of anointing that I have stepped into. So there's no measurement yes. because that's where I'm at. Yes. And, and yes. Amen. Um, yes. So um, rock bottom, right? A uh, few weeks ago, I, I, like I mentioned, the experience of coming to um, teach 
and preach and the the amount of preparation I'd made versus what really happened when I'm come here. So uh, for those that I see new faces here, so I've been coming to preach or teach once a month in practicing my own style of uh, hearing and also teaching. And usually I use the PowerPoint and uh, at that time I couldn't use PowerPoint at all. Everything is just the flow was disrupted. The um, connection between the, 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 the me and you is not there. And I couldn't, when I'm crying out to the Lord, I appreciate that the, the, the brother and sisters here who, who helped me through this experience. But what I experienced that night or that day was, an, in a way, a, a rock bottom feelings. Um, in a way, also, I want to just shut down church and run away. <laughs> I, I, the experience, even though I'm like cheery, happy, like smiley, trying to get by, but in the inside of me, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm teaching a message about giving, not giving up. But in the moment of teaching this message, the feeling of giving up is there. And you know, there was a, a reference of what I share about video game, how I like when in video game, if you fail, you can start over. And that's what I want to do, start over from the beginning, but I can't. Time goes by and, and whatever happened, happened, you know? And um, at this moment, I see myself to basically do I want to stay in the rock bottom position or where is the Lord's calling? Because at this moment, it's like, Lord, what happened? Like, I'm stepping up to this, this space and I try my best. But the things that I was doing was felt like it's not, it's not enough for me, but it's just not going to expect it. And in my um, meditation time, there's a lot of... Um, Condemnation, to be honest, be, there's a lot of condemnation, a lot of uh, feeling of uh, disappointment during that time. This is the raw feeling because I'm coming to this uh, space thinking, oh, yes, Pastor already entrusted me, and she was at that moment was sick. She was recovering from her um, flu, and she wanted to protect the sheep for, hey, I, I'm not going to come, cover for me. And she already told me, hey, I'm going to. Uh, ask you to teach uh, on Thursday, you know, and in my mind, it's like, yes, I got this. Uh, I, 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 I'm going to teach faster, and I'm not going to let you down, you know, and I basically sit myself out from worship to, to kind of just my, my, do my own personal worship, had a good time thinking, coming here, yes, it's going to be flowing, 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 uh, but no, it didn't happen, you know, and um, Recovering from the trying to get the flow that that moment, it was hard because again, like Pastor said, it is takes a lot of experience and a lot of surrender. I, I realized that in the moment of teaching, she <laughs> has the quality of uh, what what the Lord taught her to just surrender in the spot, right? And I'm developing that, and but I'm beating myself up to kind of like, oh, I couldn't do that. And I was just focusing on my ability, 
my ability. And as a, as a church, we learn in this moment of time that it's not through our ability, but through the Lord, right? Through the Lord of empowering us. And I can see in real time, again, the Lord used Araceli, the Lord used Takia, the Lord used, I think, you two, and Bradley, and the Lord used each one of us to carry through the message, and I was just um, focusing on the panic, you know, because it is a, a moment of panic of losing uh, attention from 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 y'all. That's what happened. That's the, the my feeling of rock bottom. You want to want to ask more? This is okay, right? Okay. So in in experiencing this rock bottom, um, my MO, my mode of operation has been basically um, paralyzed, okay? And, and there was a question like, when you reach bottom, can you go any lower? The answer is not really, but my flesh is going through similar to this comic where you see this. One good thing about hitting rock bottom is that at least you can fall you can't fall any lower. And that guy is with the hat and then trying to dig down even more because part of part of the feeling is just like, is this it? Is this rock bottom? You know, am I gonna experience a, so, uh, a lot worse? But rock bottom is that's it. Like the in in our term is basically the end of ourself. You know, and I believe um, that day I have encountered part of me that you know I'm coming to the end of myself because I, it just I have to make a choice. You know, I have to make a choice, and there are paths that I have to choose. Right? On this case, it's left or right. But for me, whether I want to get back up, teach, try again, like right now, or I want to run away. Or I want to fight, you know. I want to blame others because it's like it's easy, you know, easy to just like shift the blame. Oh, pastor's not there. Pastor doesn't cover me. But the Lord, the, the thing is, she will not be here always. But the Lord is always covering me, you know. The Lord is always um, using all of us to just again in harmony bring the uh, word forward. You know, because again, this is a church that listens and hears God. And not only that, we contribute to one, one another's development. And not only that, I think um, we take care of each other too, in the spiritual and in the physical life, right? Amen. So, um, just want to go through a little bit quick about the simple uh, path. So, you got the fight. Okay, so you got the flight, okay? Flying meaning like running away. So I wanna run away from my responsibility. <laughs> uh, I can't, the, the Lord's calling cannot be, you cannot run away from that. Uh, AKA uh, example is Jonah, you know? He ran away, he ran away, but if there's a calling, the Lord will, will, will have you, you know. Um, and then I, I also, in my mind, it's like, uh, if, if 
I don't have this responsibility. I don't have to go through this feeling, right? Because this feeling, in a way, I avoided through all my life because it's synonymous to failure, being like stumble at the message, and I couldn't provide anything other than very simple word. And to me, it's like the I again logic my overanalyzing mind saying it's like okay lord this is not, this is not it this i i want to give more and then it and the lord didn't was not flowing through me and i have to be okay with that you know and not just fighting the lord to say why lord why but uh for me running away is the most comfortable because uh, at one point it's just like okay this is it bye bye everybody uh, i'm going to be over there more i'm not going to be here at all and uh yeah you don't have to hear from me anymore uh last one is a uh, um, coping mechanism is freeze or paralyze and i believe last week pastor talked about being in bondage certain things bondage are certain things um paralyze us and there was a call at the pulpit to get to to surrender that you know because in 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 with the lord and in the lord there is freedom yes yeah. amen and fun fact about ostriches uh, <laughs> this is uh hiding their head under the sand is not to ignore problem it's basically to check for their eggs but we see like, oh, I'm not gonna think of, of our problem if I just don't see it, right? And, and it become a cultural uh, knowledge thing in a way. But they're, they're, they're a fast bird. They fight, they, they, they kick you. So <laughs> they're not docile. <laughs> so, so, but we got the image that, oh, this is, uh, this is how they cope. You know, and oftentimes we want to cope by just not seeing, <laughs> seeing everything or anything. You know, we just be uh, oblivious in, in, in our thing. And I can just be oblivious that I don't have problem of, of coming here. I do have problem coming here. And again, not focus on the problem, but focus on how to overcome the problem. Because part of also choosing a path is how do I become better? in my surrender, in my teaching, in my connecting with the message. But feeling uh, rock bottom, the, the flight and freeze is the, I am I'm more aware that that's how I deal with things. How I deal, I deal with in the moment of panic, you know. Um, fighting, uh, fighting is not something I like to do. Uh, but I recognize more and more in, in my season, not, it's not going to be the same as you, but for me, I have to fight. And the fight is not, again, not through my own knowledge or how I fight, but fighting in him. Okay, and it's very ironic because in my last message, I was showing a video of, of, uh, of army and then the charging, you know, and then, you know, and I myself feeling falling like, no, I don't want to fight. I just want to be uh, in the background. It's, but it's part of, I believe, uh, the Lord is like pulling things out 
from, from me. And, and I believe there's seasons where the Lord's pulling things out of you in, the, in this moment, right? In the moment of walking to the deep, walking to be more intimate. Because as we get closer to the holy and holies, there's part of us that cannot stay like us. There's part of us that we have to let go, like Moses, to put the uh, sandals at their place and walk to the new place, right? And whatever that is, you know, your coping mechanism is, is shifted in, in this season. So recognize that trigger. Recognize the pattern in our life why things are happening, right? And then don't look or if you look for the comfort part, recognize that part make a list, and then do something different. Because at, for me, it's like I, I believe that as the Lord, again, make us closer, that mode of, of comfort will be cut off, like in the wilderness, right? Amen? Okay. <laughs> so... Um, how did Jesus react with the issues like Brock Bottom, right? I basically, uh, that Sunday, uh, got too preoccupied with other things, and I recognized that I should not measure up to our pastor or measure up to any other, other thing. There is a gift within me that I'm good at, and I believe there was a guest last time, I believe her name is Paulina, <laughs> and, and I was like, after church, she stayed over, and then she was asking for help to like, hey, I need this, 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 and then uh, the worship team apparently like uh, uh, worshiping and practicing, and then I was just helping her, and I recognized, yes, I am good at service, service of others, and I am making my mental note to kind of like, Lord, I taking it this and owning this you know and i'm i'm gonna develop this as much as 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 i can to kind of bring glory to you but i also have to consult with our pastor and uh, our apostle because i re recognize too that me panicking is a form of uh, childishness so in my reflection of going through this moment, I recognize that I like to have somebody save me in the moment of need. And in the, during the message of that day, the, the cry was like, Bradley, help me, <laughs> or somebody help me. But then I, again, not recognizing that the Lord is already there and present, and he was helping me. So going through the moment, this childishness kind of take me back to when I was a kid to, hey, if I messed up, dad, mom, help me, you know? And I recognize, okay, this is a form of uh, childhood moment that is being pulled out and uh, during this moment I recognize I have to develop my own voice my own standing in Christ and the Lord basically uh, took me to John 18 
um, John 18, and I, I couldn't see the similarity or, or uh, w with what going through in the beginning, but um, with, with his grace, and we will go through some of the scripture. You have any? Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Context. Um, it's Jesus after Passover, and John 18 is about the betrayal of Jesus and uh, the encounter with Judas. Okay, so context is after the Passover meal, our Lord went to the wilderness to pray. So scripture references Matthew 25, 36 to 44. Um, his preparation was not through raising an army, right? Because this is the last stand that he come before an army of people is encountering him or capturing him. Uh, or through his own might, but throughout his prayer that his father's will be done, there are a prayer for protection. Can I, can I add a preference here because I need everybody to, to get this? Sure. Holy Spirit just literally said to me, you must know and understand that betrayal exists in all of you. Yes. And it's so important that you understand the Aries of betrayal that exists in you. One way of simple betrayal is, I, 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 Lord, I don't feel like coming to church. Another way of think, looking at betrayal is literally saying, it's too long. or even coming with the idea of having the same person teach you all the time. Sometimes our preference are off. We really say, God, lose this vessel. I always get something when this person teach. You know, if somebody else shows up, you're like, oh, gosh, I want to run home. Betrayal also looks like when you are called upon God to do something, and you push away and you do your own thing. You guys know what that one looked like, right? You can feel the nudge. You can feel the push. You can feel the heaviness. And you literally say, mm -mm, I'm going to do this. Even to the point sometimes you can feel that betrayal also when you know you should not say something. That you promise yourself that you're going to keep it a secret and you blurt it out. Okay, you know what that betrayal looked like too, right? Yes. So making sure that you guys see that we all identify with some aspect of betrayal in our lives. And he literally wanted to make sure, like, before you go get into this message, okay, uh, I heard the opening, and I really heard the opening from the standpoint of Billy still crying out for help. And he's literally in this place of he's saying, Lord, help me. And our inability to see that he is there is a form of betrayal as well. Because we're in that position saying, help me. And he's like, you got this. Mm. It's already in you. And we think we're failing. We do that in school. We do that in life. Yeah. We do that in a host of things. 
we'll get up early in the morning knowing we're late, and then we think God betrayed us because we're late. You guys get that from my betrayal, right? So I want to make sure that I spell it out. Or you have the expectation, oh, I'm going to give you my best worship. I'm going to give you my best prayer. And you have an expectation he's going to show up a certain way. And when he doesn't, you literally give up your prayer. You give up your worship. It's like, if you don't come a certain way for me, Lord, then I can't stand for you. So that's a form of portrayal, too. So making sure that you see the different areas of our portrayal. Even, too, it comes in a financial matter. You don't get what you want, so you're going to say, I'm going to stop giving. You know, I thought I was going to get this, and, I, and you didn't get me what I want. Even when it comes to worship, you're a worship person. You're standing there worship with the expectation that people are going to worship with you. And not realizing they're in all different places, and you're expecting them to worship like you're worshiping, and, and that's a form of betrayal, too, because you get angry. And not realizing your offering is the only thing that changes things. You don't need nobody else to offer anything. So if you're in that place of worship, your offering will bring everybody in because you're offering it to him. And sometimes we get angry at the fact that people are not worshiping the way we want them to worship. Like, this is the song you're supposed to be moved to. You know, I even found that this morning, you know, I was standing and I was trying to keep the, uh, the, the, the worship area here, you know, for Billy to come forth. I was like, ooh. And then I just seen the granddaughter here and she was just standing there. And then I'm like, Lord, I got to protect this front. You know, and, and in, that, in that protection, she got a little bit too close to me. And I was like, get over there. You know, in my own worship, I was trying to push her out of the way, but I wasn't nice enough to say, can you scoot over? But then when she, she scooted over, I felt like she was still messing up my groove. So in my own worship, do you understand? If I had to just worship and focus on worship, she shouldn't have mattered. I would have done what I was supposed to do. So we all have a way of being in a rebellious state of mind. Back to you. Um, yeah, praise God for the explanation. And a lot of the expectation is unrealistic expectations and in this moment coming to the garden uh, I was probably expecting that Jesus is going to have a showdown with the Judas and the armies but no and the, the, the disciples also have an expectation that this Jesus guy you know that they've been following gonna do something miraculous that day because then he is the messiah he was say uh no he is he is still like the savior and the the, the miracle healer and and all that things but then and then he, he was they were not expecting that jesus is gonna die even though during the passover meal during the uh the, throughout the day he's hinting that hey my time is coming up my time is coming 
Um, just want to give you a reference on the map of, of the garden and the temple and the quarter. So um, looks like the uh, doesn't show. Um, yeah, the quarter is on the top right, top uh, top left of the temple and the bottom left of the temple. And the garden and the um, wilderness is through this uh, blue line, which is it's. Kidron Valley. Um, using the NLT, um, we'll switch to an enduring word later. But I'm going to go through the slides and we'll go back to the aspects of betrayal. Um, read it. Um, John 18. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrive at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? He asks. Jesus, Jesus the Nazarene, they reply. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more, he asked them, who are you looking for? And again, they replied, Jesus, the Nazarene. Um, I told you that I am he, Jesus said. And since I am the one you want, let this others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. And Simon, Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchish, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheets. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? Um, in the reading um, and in my um, meditation with Pastor, I see um, the protection of Jesus and in in His Word and His statement, and um, also believing that throughout the experience of um, rock bottom, his protection was present real time, you know? And um, for me, going forward, knowing the, the, this protection of him, you know? Because again, I had this expectation that Jesus coming and confronted by, by an army. First, first off, he knows the timeline, right? He said to the disciple that the time is near, I'm going away, okay? But knowing the timeline, he didn't prepare to what I expect him to prepare, like raising an army, raising armory, raising 
uh, his followers to kind of like show down, you know. And there's this time of uh, uh, coming with a, a, a lot of people because uh, there, there will be an explanation later in the Enduring app saying the contingent of, so Judas was deputized basically by the leading priests and Pharisees to have a contingent, basically more than 500 people of soldiers, both Roman and high priest soldiers or officers. So they were going after him very, very viciously in a way, because then it's like a search party for, for Jesus. And instead of hiding, instead of escaping, instead of like having the showdown, he confronted them, you know. And in, in my message, um, the Lord also showed us, show me, that I am, you know. I, if I'm in Jesus' position, I don't have anything. My disciples only 12, and I'm coming with a bunch of, uh, uh, facing a bunch of armies. And, and but I would be scared, but he did not. He, was, he did not back down. He met the enemy. He met his betrayer. He confronted them, not only confronted them, he stepped in authority because the Bible mentioned, as he spoke, I am. The enemy fall down. Can I add just something here? All seeing, all powerful, all knowing. Judah's intent was to catch him off guard. And so they followed behind to catch him off guard so that he wouldn't be able to use his power and authority. And so you have to understand all powerful, all knowing. So he knew that he was behind him. He knew that he was coming forth. He knew that they were coming after him. And so if you really pay attention to what Billy is saying, just God trying to say to you, like even in our failure and our fall, he knows it. And he knows exactly what he's going to do. And the highlight on, on this one is Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. That's... He knows what I have to go through this rock bottom, <laughs> your rock bottom, everything. But it's, how you call it? It's preordained, I would say, predestined, I would say. You know, it's, it's part of the, his plan of growing me up, you know. And, and in the case of, of, of Jesus, he has to go to confront his betrayer because that's the last part of, of the cross, before the cross. Um, just want to emphasize the I am again. We learn about the name of the Lord, and the name of the Lord is existing one. In this case, I am. And in this case also, he's showing the majesty of who he is, you know, uh, and in that phrase, I am. Can I jump in one more time? Which is so important here because I think 
this is where all of us tend to run away from. If you look the part that's really highlighted, it talks about a cup of suffering. And many of us would not even accept a cup of suffering. Because if somebody offered you a cup and you knew that you had to drink a cup of suffering, you wouldn't drink it. But any time that you choose to follow after Jesus, you have a cup of suffering. And each one of you is given a cup. Unbeknownst to you, you have a cup. And there's difficult times that you have to come through, and it's really to come to the end of yourself. And in that place where you're coming to the end of yourself, it would be grand if we drink. But most of us will refuse the cup. And so sometimes we go through things in our lives unbeknownst to us because we refuse to accept the cup of suffering. And sometimes that cup of suffering means humility. Sometimes that cup of suffering means to give up when you know that you're right. Sometimes that cup of suffering also means to lay down your will. No more self-justifying, no more trying to protect yourself. It's really in that position where you really see your cup of suffering. And some of you guys know your cup of suffering, but you will swear up and down that the other party is at fault. You're untamed, okay, I'm just being real, and, and you're unyielded, and so you go through these places of suffering because of your inability to stand strong as individuals. And so each one of us have a cup of suffering. And sometimes that cup of suffering may have some added value that you hate looking at, and sometimes it's whatever in your household. And sometimes we share in the cup of suffering. Do you understand what I mean by that? Somebody crazy in the house, you fighting the other person in the house, and so in return, you drink their cup in your cup too. Wow, cup of suffering. And so when you look at that cup, it's the stuff that wars on the inside of you. You know, I'm always uh, hear people saying, well, that other person has to change. That other person has to change. No, if you're so busy seeing that the other person has to change, you need to change. We fail to see how many fingers are pointing back at us. Billy, can you show them how many fingers are pointing back? Wow. So in most situations, you're wrong. Okay? 99.9, .9, you're wrong. And it's easy for us to say, oh, gosh, the other person is at fault. But the Holy Spirit is basically saying to you, drink your cup. Yeah, that's where the message leads us later to recognize this cup. Because, again, I throughout my life, I don't want to experience the feeling of failure, of rock bottom. And in Christ, we, again, my mind knows there is no failure. But in reality, it's like, I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing. And oftentimes, 
that voice become larger unless we silence that voice, unless we fight through. For me, again, I have to fight against this voice because there is no failure in Christ whatsoever. And, and he knows. He knows what's going on in me. And, and this panic, because again, he is confronted by multiple band of soldiers, but from first uh, with weapons and lanterns and torches, they arrive, right? So they, he can see people's coming. But scriptures say there's no panic in him. And instead, or not retreating back, but facing forward. You know, he's facing his, and I don't know if you uh, have a study. So I, I did also a study on the Matthew 25, 36 to 44. There's a moment that he asked his disciple, stay up with me, stay up with me, stay up with me. You know, you know, I'm going through, I'm going through, stay up with me. But then three times they fell asleep. Three times he was by himself. Okay, three times there's loneliness that you can feel like I'm by myself. Even when in prayer, talking to his father, Lord, let your will be done. Yeah. You know, even all those things, let your will be done. Let your will be done. Let me not retreat it back, you know, because that's what I would do. Like, Lord, this is too much. I don't want to go, you know. In, in, we'll go through his prayer earlier. Just listen to it. All prayer is he's thinking about us. He's thinking about kingdom. He's thinking about the will of the Father. And that motivates him to go through, confront his enemy, his adversaries. He's taking a stand. So I was sitting here and I asked the Lord to liken the cup to me and what that looks like. And the Lord had showed me, like if my kids are sick, you give them a cup of medicine. And how initially when you pour it and they see it, they're like, I don't want to drink this, mommy. Ew, it's going to be nasty. But once they drink it and they take it in, they start to get better. So that's what the Lord was saying here. Once we take that in, we don't want to do it initially. But as it goes throughout our vessel and it goes to those places that it needs to go to, it's going to be for our benefit. It's like beneficial. We don't see it. Benadryl. Let me say it like this. It's really for your maturity because it, be, it really strengthens you. And a lot of times we don't realize how strong we are until we get to the other side. And so as we're walking through and we're suffering and we don't pull back, you get to the other side and you literally say, oh, gosh, I made it through. Think about how many times you said that you made it through and then you recognize that you can endure the difficulties that come forward because you recognize that, oh, my God, I, I'm on the other side. You know, being a single parent at one point in time in my life, I thought I would never make it through. And now that I look, I'm like, my kid is old, okay? Okay, I made it through. And I didn't think I was going to make it through because I had no help and I had nobody to rely on, but something in me kept pushing me forward. 
And so when I got to the other side, I'm like, oh my God, we made it. And then I got two other ones, okay? So evidently it wasn't as bad as I thought because I thought that with the one, I said, we'll never make it through this. I'll never have another child, you know, because it was so difficult. But to get to the other side and that person's constantly growing and constantly changing and you're not dragging them down the street trying to get on the bus, do you hear me? It becomes different because you're looking and you're looking at life from a different point and you're saying, I made it through. But I want to make sure that I point out something because the Holy Spirit is constantly uh, speaking to me. It's like we find things to cope with stuff because we're afraid to let go, to get to the place that we desire. So we tend to hold on to other things because they become temporary comfort uh, places in our life. You know, uh, you know, uh, do it say it? They have these little things called vapors, okay, whatever it is, okay, and they're in different colors and different flavors, and the tube is different or whatever, but they, you know, they put a lot in that, okay, because it's a way of taking in something, even though you're taking in a drug, even though you don't call it a drug, but you're taking it in, and it's a temporary relief for you. It causes reality to shut down. And it puts your mind in a non-reacting state. Okay? So you're not reacting to anything. You're not looking at everything. Everything is free. And it's good to turn around and say, oh, this person is at fault. And you see yourself as the one that's always the fluffy, fawly person. It's a false sense of comfort. And so it never deals with the situation because you're suspended in a place. Hopefully you guys hear me. And being suspended in a place, you're never going to face you. It would be like you're floating in the air somewhere <laughs> in space and you're just floating for some time. You're not, you're not addressing anything. You're not involved in anything. And you're just existing. But when you come off, off of that float, that high, all the senses come back and you remember all the stuff that wasn't done. And they begin to surround you to the point you're crippled. And if you stop to look at your life, you've been in the same place forever. Because that suspended space still is something that you bring into the natural. Hopefully you hear me. Meaning you shut time down. Time's still going, but you still shut down in that place and you never move forward. So your life doesn't have no progress. And then 20 years from now, you'll be sitting in the same place and there's still no progress. And because there's no progress, you lose hope. 
So you stay in that suspended place. We call it a poverty environment, okay? If, if I put it in the layman's term for uh, African-American, we say you ghetto, yeah. okay? Because we tend to say that everything in your home is broken up. Yeah. Nothing in your life shows it has a fix. But we camouflage things and we put ourselves in nice vehicles to make it look like we are doing something with our lives, okay? Uh, so we're gonna camouflage and then make it look like something that's there, but technically we have checked out of our own lives. And we live in the what should have, could have mode. Hear what the Spirit's trying to get you to understand. You gotta drink the cup. You gotta deal with the stuff that's dealing with you. You cannot get past it. You cannot get past it. I can't offer that cup to somebody to drink it for me. You cannot get past it. And the sad part about it too, when you're in that suspended place, Sometimes other things have to come on you to get you to move. <laughs> get it? Something has to come on you to get you to move. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Um, as pastor saying that, it, it take me back to, again, my moment of rock bottom moment and also rejection. So. Uh, one part of my life, I didn't like to ask a woman out or, you know, uh, have a relationship. And in, in, in during that time of just avoiding rejection by just not doing the asking out, right? And that's my coping mechanism, just avoiding, avoiding, avoid, fly, fly, fly. And, and, and hearing pastors, like, it's gonna rise up is gonna present it to you and and you have a choice you have a choice to deal with it differently not the way your comfortable uh, mindset leads you. holy spirit just said there's a cost for everything so you must understand that everything has a cost there's a cost for everything so even if you don't think there's a cost associated to it, there's a cost. And I also want to give an encouragement because in the moment, if, if you see yourself in the, the description that Pastor mentioned, know that there is power in the name of Jesus. Know that there is deliverance in the name of Jesus. There is redemption in the name of Jesus. So when we hear ourselves, oh, I'm like that. I'm just existing. Don't agree on, that, on, on the existing part. Agree that the Lord is taking us higher. The, agree that the Lord is changing things up for us, for the kingdom, right? You can't, the, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just existing too. But no, I have to reformulate my, my mindset, my expectation, my belief to basically, hey, this is the Lord's taking me here. This is his protection. This is his stand. Stand with him. You know. I, uh, 
So what does it mean, taking a stand? You already know that. No, I'm trying to get you to go up. So I, no, you just sit on the mic so we can see. <laughs> okay, like this. Um, taking, oh, sorry, let me read it first. Taking a stand, dictionary definition, adopt firm, a firm position about an issue. I think everybody knows that. I just won't have to give the... Um, this idiom alludes to the military sense of stand holds one's ground against an enemy, right? Taking a stand in Jesus. So his way of taking a stand is different. Like I'm kind of hinting from the beginning of the message. He challenged our expectation, right? He does not work to our logic. It's his logic. It's his timeline. He is the almighty, all-powerful. So, of course, he's not going to go through what we expect him to do, right? But our job is to listen and follow him, right? Um, he fought by taking the cup, which is the cup of suffering that Father already prepared. And Galatians 5.1 on ESV said, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Right? So we were, or we are free. We always free. And no chains, no bondage can attach to us because the blood of Jesus Christ. Wow. What stands out to me here is stand firm. A lot of times we're standing in our yoke of slavery and we're firm in our yoke of slavery. Justified. We would not even consider slavery because some of the things that we constantly do is, is a form of slavery. And, and we would say, I'm not a slave, but you are a slave. If you're constantly doing the same thing and you know to do something different, you're a slave to it. You're in bondage to that situation. Holy Spirit was sitting here as he was reading this message. He said, sometimes we fail to look at the things that goes on in our lives. And I guess I'm a one that always assess. If I'm in a room, I know who's in the room with me. If I'm in a restaurant, I know my exit doors. Because I'm going to look around and I'm going to pay attention to everything that's going on around me just in case something happens that I know the exit doors. And not only is it that I know the exit doors, I know who's in our space. I'll never forget, I went out to a restaurant with one of my friends and we were sitting there talking and I literally said to her, that person's been following us. And she said, who? What are you talking about? I said, this person was right over here, this person was here, this person was here, and I seen them in four different settings and this person's following us. The reason why I knew the person was following us because I paid attention to my surrounding. 
I'm going somewhere with what I'm saying. 90% of the time when God sends somebody in your direction, he's trying to get you to get something. There is constant exchange. And that constant exchange is what we don't pay attention to. Why is this person in my life? Why did they come forward? Who are they to me? What am I going to be held accountable by having them in my life? I ask questions such as that. What is it that I'm not yielding to? What is it that they have to speak into me in order to get me to overcome? Is there exchange for me in that situation? What am I to give them? But sometimes we get caught up in hate and hung up in what am I to give them and half of the time that you may not have nothing to give them, there's something that you gotta receive. Let's sit still for a moment. It's so important in our position of overcoming Slavery is to examine the areas of opportunity for our freedom. What's the exchange here, Lord? What is the exchange that is sitting before me that I must receive? You must understand in an exchange that God is recording the exchange. Sometimes we don't know that. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Every single one of us will stand before the judgment of God. And God will bring up the exchange. And in bringing up the exchange, he's going to ask you some important questions. And he's going to say to you that he sent help. And in that place of exchange, did you receive it? Billy started off talking about this message that... He thought he couldn't do it, but he began to cry out for help, and God sent forth the help to help him through. Each one of you have an exchange, and sometimes people are in your life, you better start asking why. Because there is an exchange in the exchange that you are held accountable for. And for myself, I don't just encounter people for some unknown reason. 
they don't just pop up in my life for some unknown reason. They're not even Kaseya's friends and Cinnamon's friends because I, I use Kaseya as an example because Kaseya used to bring all her high school friends to me and I knew that it was my job to bring them into the Lord. She just thought she was bringing over a friend and God had me to talk to them. And Cinnamon brings her friends around me. They're not just friends. There's somebody that God's trying to impart something into and trying to get them to a place of freedom and they got to realize it. This is why sometimes I show up in people's dreams. All of a sudden you have dreams and you see pastor in the midst of your dream because God is trying to tell you something in the midst of that dream that, hey, there's something that much of an exchange. Like, I, drum about, I was dreaming about you last night. No, God was trying to talk to you. Uh -huh, I, I crack up. God's trying to tell you something. Pastor, I, dream, I, I dreamt about you last night. And I said, yeah, and he's talking to you. Not me, you. Because in there, there's exchange. I'm good, right? That's what most of us say, I'm good. No, we're not. Nobody's good by themselves. At 90% of the time, none of us like slavery, and we're all crying out for exchange. But we don't get to pick who the exchange is with. That's the hard part. God sends help, but you can't pick the help. Send me this type of rescue. You don't get to pick your exchange. You don't get to get pick your freedom, making sure that you guys see that. Your freedom is not going to be dressed in your clothing outfit. Okay? They're not going to look like you because they can't look like you because you won't choose to stay in bondage. So they send people that you can't stand, naggers. Because God looks for that persistent in us that will free them. I know your message is a little off, but no, it's okay. he's, he has a reason I, I, for I, what he's doing. I also see a tie to, so. Yeah, because he's trying to reach some people. Mm -hmm. He knows what he's doing. Amen. Amen. Um in our standing, this is an example from the scripture that we just read, um, that our stand versus his stand, right? Our stands is in the physical things, in troops, weapons, torches, and first uh, one or two, or no, five or uh, three or four. And in the religious law and common laws system, 
or the kingdom over here, the status quo and our ability, and this is just example of that. And I believe last week we were kind of going over how the dependence of this um, system of governments that the Lord is addressing that out of us, that we will and stand for for the, the kingdom because that's Jesus' stand in his, his name, in his calling and purpose, and in kingdom. Um, I also mentioned that this is some of the coping mechanism that I mentioned in the beginning of the message that when we going through certain things, we tend to fight. We self-preserve. We freeze, self-insulate, or you know, trying to preserve whatever half we ha uh, things that we had. But in in Jesus' uh, action, he basically confront his the adversary. He protect the sheep. Uh, he pray for the unity between God, the Father, and us. Um, this part of it is is mentioned in the John 17, but I'm kind of related because in his word earlier, he stated that out of um, the disciples, only one that's, uh, he protect everybody except one. Back to the drink, all right, overflowing. I, I cannot uh, skip this rock bottom period, you know. And to me, I thought like I will be able to uh, escape from this feeling of failure or rock bottomness. But part of also experiencing uh, rock bottom, I, I learned that our God is a God of experience, right? In learning of those names of the Lord, you see each of patriarch, each of uh, people calling God name because they experience him. God is our banner because God is truly the banner during, during, the, during the Israel. God is the Adonai. He is, he is God that we experience. So this feeling of um, rock bottom and, and, and failure is part of the experience. Suffering is part of experience, and Bible talks about a lot of talking uh, in, 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 in preserving through suffering. And we have a great example in Jesus. Um, I want to go over this prayer. It's about three minutes long. Just listen to it, and this is take it as encouragement. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, 
Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift for you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you. And they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me. Because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you. And you have given them to me. So they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world. But I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united, just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave them. I guarded them so that not one was lost, except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my children. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these who you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me, even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. I tried to separate this message from the 18 and 17, but it keeps coming back to the interconnectedness of God's calling, glorifying Father God and, and our assignment. Because he's not talking about the world. He's talking about people, you and I. Pray for, he's praying for all of us, right? And... and, and in, oh, sorry. Um, and with this one, um, that stuck out for me is, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Um, we are a testimony. We are a testament of the Lord, right? This experiences that uniquely ours, this cup of suffering, right? It is that exchange that pastors talk about. When we experience that, it 
brings others forward. It brings others to a, a place of freedom because we experience that part. But the more that we resisting to, to what he's doing, the more that resisting to the rock bottomness thing, the more we preventing others to come into the fold. Okay. Uh, I, I, I was listening to a pastor when she brought up about betrayal. She brought up about the exchange. She brought up about um, slavery, right? I, I don't know about you, but we are freedom fighters, right? We know better. We experience the fullness, the, the, the miracle, the, the healing power, the power of God in, in our midst. So I'm deputizing you right now. Be encouraged. Rise up. Take a stand out of your rock bottomness. Rise up from against. Just stand up. Because fall, uh, Bible say uh, uh, man can fall seven times, but he will get back up again. Keep rising, rise up, and stand firm in Him. In, in, in also addressing the, the betrayal, if you relate with that word, repent. As easy as repentance. Because he called us to be his disciple, his follower, not to betray him. If we fall short, his promise is there to, hey, Lord, forgive me. I repent. There is redemption, there's deliverance. Do you have more in this message? More slides? Or are you at the end? I'm at the end of this Can you take me back to the beginning? The beginning. What is that sign? What it's does that mean? Rock bottom. Okay. I think we all have a different way of defining what rock bottom looks like in our lives. And as we begin to look at what rock bottom looks like, there's still a coping mechanism that we have that we don't even consider ourselves to be at rock bottom, if you really look at it. Because we all have a poverty state that exists on the inside of us. And we have a measuring rod within that poverty state of mind. But when God considers rock bottom, he looks at an individual that is functioning outside of him. Okay? 
And so rock bottom to us looks a little bit different because I can measure rock bottom based on somebody who's performing worse than I am. And I can clearly say I'm not as bad as them. And as long as I don't become as bad as them, then I'm not at rock bottom. Because my definition of rock bottom doesn't look like God's uh, definition. And it's somebody's basically moving outside of God. Let's move to the next one. I would ask you, because <laughs> I love his little thing, when, when you're reaching rock bottom, because some of us don't know. Some of us have no idea, so we're still digging. And we're still trying to go further and further down, but we're not digging without knowing it. We all have a sense that we reach the end of ourselves, and we all have a sense to say, hey, I need rescue, but we will not call out because our pride stands in the way. And so we will continue to fall lower and lower and lower until we finally get to the end of ourselves and say, help. As he began to present this, this reminded me of Moses because Moses was in this state for 40 years. But Moses came to the end of himself when he recognized, which is so, all that he had and represented or used to be, he couldn't see it in his life anymore. He didn't see himself as a skilled man. He didn't see himself as an educated man. He didn't see himself growing up in the Egyptian world and being entitled to any and everything. He seen himself as none of these things no matter because they are not fulfilling now. And some of us are in that place that we still have fulfillment so we don't think we're at bottom. But you're at bottom. Because if God is not governing your situation, you're at bottom. If there's not a covenant relationship, then you're at bottom. And I want to make sure that we understand what bottom looked like. Because there's no commitment to anything. Okay? You get it? God, God has a committed covenant with us. And I would tell you about me. Prior to getting married, I was in a 10-year relationship with a promise to be married. A, a 10 year relationship with a promise to be married. I was living off of a promise. Yeah. And, and the funny part about it, when the promise came, the dude was high and I accepted it. <coughs> Get it? The dude was high and I accepted the promise. Never to take drugs myself, but I accepted a promise off of somebody that was loaded. Yeah. Baby girl, you're going to be my wife. <laughs> and in that baby girl, you're going to be my wife, I went and bought books, <coughs> wedding books, yeah. 
planning for a wedding that never occurred. Get it? I thought I had it all. I didn't realize I was at his rock bottom. And then one day I called him on the carpet and said, we ain't going forward. Our plans are not the same. And he told me he was waiting on me to mature. I'm waiting on you to mature. Okay? Get it? You're the mature thing. Rock bottom. But at that same time, God was tapping my heart. And I remember getting up one day early in the morning and going to church to try to find him because he was knocking heavily on my heart. I was 10 years with a man that was talking about being divorced. He never got divorced. And then later on, when he wasn't on his high, he reminded me that he was a Jehovah Witness and they didn't believe in it. How stupid was I? My rock bottom. And so I began to plot and plan in my life on how to get out of the relationship. And my goal was, when he's at work, he gonna come back to an empty house because I'm gonna pack up and I'm gonna leave. Yeah. And I plotted and I planned and I did it. I thought that was going to be the greatest thing of all because I wasn't at rock bottom in my mind. Listen to what I'm saying but I was truly still at rock bottom because I was still making rock bottom moves. Yes. Because I jumped right back into another relationship and I was still at bottom. Yes. Yes. I got a marriage proposal. And it was the greatest thing ever. Because I thought it was the all in, all it and everything and above. As the color purpose say, I'm married now. <laughs> but that marriage still left me empty. Because I had no true relationship. I'm married because my girlfriends were getting married. Yes. And I wanted that title. Yes. But I didn't know that I was about to drink my cup of suffering. God knew that I was looking for something. 
And he knew the only way to bring me to the end of me was to allow it to go forward. And in that place where he allowed it to go forward, I then became on my journey. Because that difficult relationship took me through some difficult times. And it was my choice to mature. And, and, and one thing, I, I apologize to my girls today, because I didn't realize being in a relationship where there's constantly fighting, disconnect, and war all the time, it impacts your children. And most people don't realize your stupidness impacts your children. And then you want them to be better? Where you already laid a negative foundation for them and they're living off of your, your stupidness. I'm going to say it that way. And so you're wondering why they have the bad behavior. You better look at you. And in looking at you, you must understand what God's trying to tell you. I thought I was saving my children and I was hurting them. Let's go a little bit further in his message because I want to show you something else. Divine path. Wow. God lays a path that he sets forth for every single one of the take. That means you got to give up something. I ain't ready to give up nothing. I remember I used to go to church and look at people at church and wish the person that I was dealing with negatively would be sitting next to me so that they can get corrected by God. And then I would go home and say, you should have been at church. And let me tell you what the messenger said so you can get it because you wasn't here to get it. Get it? Because that's what we do. We never receive what he's speaking to us. We want to labor it and then give it to somebody else that having problem. Because we never see we are problems too. Let's go a little bit further. I love his message. Fight. (laughs) Wow, you can see that, right? I'm going to say I'm the red man. Okay, I'm the red man. Okay, because look like the blue one just just don't know what he's doing. And and so in my fight, I'm in control, right? Because in your fight, you're in control. You, You got this, right? You're making the right decisions. You're doing the right things. You're moving the right way, and you're you're in control. Nobody gonna knock you out, right? Because that's what this is about. Nobody gonna knock me out. Yeah, I thought I had the upper hand, but I didn't realize God was two punches ahead of me. And he was looking for a technical knockout in my life. Get it? Two punches ahead of me. Because I didn't deal with what was dealing with me, it it began to take me out. I was quick to blame others, but I never stopped to understand I am the blame. I felt God tugging on my heart. I felt him touching me. 
And I would go to church for relief, feel good. I went to church today, and I would walk out of church as if I was proud. You know how not having a job, you don't come outside to after 5 o'clock where you know everybody is off work. <laughs> it was that kind of feeling, <laughs> a celebration, because I was no longer fighting in my eyes, but God was still fighting to get me free from my slavery. Yes. Let's take me further. <laughs> you guys always know that. <laughs> Go to church, feel like a champion. I'm a champion, oh God. I went to church, I had a feel good message. I don't know what it was, because somebody asked me the next day later, like, what'd you learn in church? I don't know. The girl, the offering was just, I just don't get why they beg for money. Isn't that what we do? I don't get why they beg for money. That's why I don't beg here, okay? I don't get why they beg for money. And I'm sitting in church with my head in the ground. The messages is not reaching me. Because they're not for me because I'm here in the house, right? I'm in the house. I don't need a message. It's those on the outside of the house that needs the message. And so what I would do, keep inviting them. But not realizing I needed to accept the invitation first. Go further. Wow. Read that out loud. How did Jesus react with issues like rock, rock bottomness? Well, so it's saying, how did Jesus react? But better yet, how am I reacting at the bottom? I'm self-justified, self-preserved, self-influenced. Got Christ in me, but... He can't have the front seat. He sits on the back. I only give him time. Holy Spirit literally said, when I'm in a good mood. Today I'm in a good mood, I'll worship you. says, after the Passover meal, he went up into the wilderness to pray. After a good meal, that's really what it's saying. After a good meal, he went up into a place of prayer. We don't pray after a good meal. We don't pray before. His preparation was not through raising an army or through his own might, but throughout his prayer that his father's will be done. Mm. Uh, protection for his that? disciple the union between his followers and the Father. So it was all about God's will here. But if you read that again, read that again. His preparation was not through raising an army or through his own might. Okay, so his preparation was not raising an army or through his own might. My preparation is raising an army because when I'm wrong, I get a host of people on my side because I want to justify my stand. 
So I already got my army standing with me. You know, she did this and you already know her problem. So I raised my army, and, okay? And, and, and my prayer is God deal with them. You know that, what that looks like. God deal with them, okay? And, but throughout his prayer that his father's will be done. God get them. That's your will. Uh, protection for his disciples. Yeah, protection for others? And the union between. Self-protection. And the union between his followers and the father. I don't care about nobody but me. And then uh, after that he was arrested. I laugh because as the Lord was saying to me when you said after that he's arrested, he said, we will be sitting there saying, I didn't do nothing. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're literally in that place where you're literally saying, I don't do nothing. Uh-huh. Because we never take accountability for our action. We definitely say, why is this happening to me? Because we never take accountability for our action because everybody else is acting up. Right? I can hold you accountable because you're acting up. We never see ourselves. This is John 18, 1 to 3. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrive at the Olive Grove. When you stop to really look at this, and if I take it out of the terms of Jesus being on the cross and the terms of me being led to the cross, The enemy is always following behind us. And his intent is to set us up for failure. He never wants us to get to the cross. He never wants to get us to get to a place where we surrender our lives. And so if you flip this and you literally look to whereby Christ is trying to lead you in a place, but the enemy is trying to lead you out of that place. And he's trying to get you to stay in that place because he has lesions to you. He wants to hold on to you at all costs. And he wants to keep you in bondage. Last week when I was reading the message about being enslaved, I was literally looking at what I'm enslaved to. And many of us are enslaved to a whole bunch of things. And we don't even consider them slavery. Okay? I have addiction for coffee. That's enslaved. When I don't have coffee, I, don't, I get the jitters. Okay? That's in slavery to that. I don't feel good unless I have my cup of coffee. When does a cup of coffee depends on my ability to feel good? Yeah. And I know that sounds funny. Sometimes we even enslave to food, okay? Because if we don't eat something, we feel like that we can't move forward. 
And like a glass of water is not sustainable. But we're enslaved to many things. Hear what the Spirit is trying to get you guys to understand. Again, he's trying to reach some people. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? He asked. Listen to that. What are you looking for? Who are you truly looking for? Why do you come to church? What are you looking for? You know, a lot of times I crack up when people come to the church. They will look at the church because it's a small number of people as if we are not a thriving church. They will look and say, oh my God, there's just a little bit of people here but not realizing we are mighty because we know the Lord. We don't have something that we're lacking just because we're small in numbers. We're small in numbers because God goes after a remnant. Okay? He ain't going after no big churches. Okay? Because big churches have big leaders that big people follow after. In this church, y'all don't exalt me. You exalt God. And most big churches don't tell the people that God is the one that they're getting the information from because they'll learn how to go to God for themselves and in return, it'll mess up their revenue. Don't you get it? So I'm going to keep you coming to me so that I can keep you giving me your revenue. But if I teach you how to go to God, then God's going to govern your revenue the right way. So when you're walking into this itty-bitty church, we're not desperate because we got Jesus. We're not in need of something because Jesus is here. And we give everybody an opportunity to use their giftings. Because it's not What's here is where you're going to be on the outside. I got to teach you how to use what you got so that when you get on the outside, you don't mess up. See the difference? So when you walk here, don't feel pity on us. Because everybody in here can hear and see the stuff in you. In our eyes, you're naked. And in our eyes, we see you because you're not fully clothed in Christ. And so the things you're covering up, we can clearly see it. Wow. And we can see the band of army that's fighting to hold you into your sin. And we're gracefully calling you to a place of surrender today. We're gracefully asking you to let go. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. It don't work that way. You have to either be in or out. God understand that there's grace given 
but we can't abuse that grace. When I'm doing stupid stuff, I'm like, Lord, don't take away your grace from me. Hold, hold it there just a little bit longer because I promise you I'm going to get out of this. And, and then he literally says to me, see yourself as out. Stop seeing it yourself trying to fight out of it. See yourself as out of it. Because that's what his grace looks like. So Jesus is turning over his life for our sake. Don't you realize what the cross was about? It was about you. He's turning this over for you. He's not turning it over for, for himself. He's turning it over for you. He knows that he has all power and authority. So as Billy was reading this, and I was literally saying, he was asking the disciple, can you stay up for just an hour? And I said, Lord, why did you need their help to stay up for just an hour? Do not you see that you cannot give a full account of everything that transpired if you're not awake. Get it? He needed them to give a full account of what transpired. You couldn't leave that part out. And so he had to have it written that he was in agony. Because he wanted them to see that he was in a place that he was crying out saying, come on, bring this forward. Bring this to an end state so that my people can be free. Many of us would have looked at, oh, he was, he was having a difficult time getting through. And he said, no, I wasn't having a difficult time. I needed him to give account for this. And if they're asleep, how can they give account? He said, how could they tell the ones to come what I did for them? And many of us are asleep. We can't give account for what God's doing in our life because we're asleep. a little bit further. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied, oh, Jesus the Nazarene, they replied, I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Billy gave a count over 500 soldiers. So he didn't come with a small army. He came with over 500 soldiers. Imagine 500 people falling. And then they're trying to get up after falling to get back into a position to arrest him. And so 500 people had experience of the anointing. And you have to understand, to come back and get in balance, he's telling them, okay, you came to arrest me, come on. Because they're thrown off balance and they recognize the power within him and, and I'm sure they're afraid. Yeah. And so he had to remind them to get back on their mission to get this, bring this to an end. Because 
when you hit the ground and you don't know, you kind of sit back and say, oh. When the anointing hits you even now, you sit back and you say, oh. Would you get back and go after him? I wouldn't have. You knocked me on my feet and I didn't touch you. And so in that, you can see even in that, if you go further, that he's encouraged them, come get me. Once more he asked them, who are you looking for? And they, again, they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. But you know, then they were shaking. So, but God is literally saying to you, even in this message, who are you looking for? Many of us in this room have been stripped. And we know what it feels like to be stripped. But I want to say something. God will continue to take and take and take until you surrender. You don't know what it feels like to be at bottom until everything that you possess is gone. God goes after your dignity. He goes after everything that makes you look good. I prefer to surrender it. And so even as we are here today, and we've heard the words, with eyes closed, head bowed, you know what you enslaved to. And you know what hinders you. This is your time to cry out and ask for help. Billy was saying he fell short on the message of God, which he didn't even feel short on. I wish I was only falling short. I didn't stand up in a message of God. Do you get it? I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. A message of God. I wish that's the only thing I could say I'm falling short in. But there's some areas within your own life that you're falling short. And at this point in time in your life, you need God. Again, with your eyes closed, your head bowed. Eyes closed, head bowed. I never understood why God always would call leaders in the church to say, eyes closed and your head bowed. Because only you know where you're at. And sometimes we are afraid to answer that call when others are looking. I'm going to say this is not a threat. 
because I want to make sure that I'm clear. God's going to continue to bring you to the end of yourself until you answer the call completely. So if you're at that place in your life that today is time to surrender, you're not looking at your neighbor, you're not looking at the people who should have been this message. You're looking at yourself. God is in this room and you're presenting yourself to him and in this place where you're at, you're crying out to the Lord and asking him for help. Lord, I'm tired of being enslaved to things. I'm tired of not being my true me. I'm tired of feeling like that I have to have something in the place of you to, in order to stay steady. Tired of feeling like I'm falling short. And those of you who have the ability to pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit. The Lord is standing at the altar with the crown of thorns on his head. The Lord is standing at the altar with the crown of thorns on his head. He's asking for your offering and your sacrifice as he will bear the load. He says, come to me. Lay it down at my feet. I am he. I am he. Rest now, child. Lay down the armies that you have brought against my name. that you have called up against my will.
He says, fall down. The anointing is in this place. Surrender it and it'll knock down. I am he. And as he declares, I am. Your defenses have been knocked down. Your armies have fallen. I see him coming in waves, knocking things down.
शे के मार से ये मार रहे खा रहा रहा से महाते हुरदे बाचे थे से मोरा हालाया लहा से मेहे खाशे हुर हो you call your people forward in your name we speak out the feelings of pride the defenses that we build up against you Our acts of self-preservation. The altar is open for those that want to come pray, surrender. Come kneel before him. It's welcome. Shadipo. I speak out against the generational curses. The death and decay that has plagued the generations. The poverty that has stripped you of your worthy. Oh, Rafa, so Rafa. 
The insecurity that is called against I am He. Lay it at my feet, they shall plague you no more. As you come to the altar, as you lay bare down, ask in faith, ask in faith the things so that you can occupy the space. If you say unworthy, you are worthy in Christ Jesus. If you feel unlovable, you are loved in Jesus' name. If you say you are unpowerless you are powerless in Jesus name take him take him take him all of him take him
Taking power, taking freedom, Hushima, taking peace, Hushima, Hasa, Hasa, Hura, Hasi, We lay our lives down out from the place of comfort. Surrender and speak out against the place of limbo. Step into a place where we declare your glory as the breaker of chains. The breaker of bondage.
Lord says, am I not forgiveness? Am I not freedom? Am I not peace? I am not the savior that broke all your bonds. I broke every chain. I am love. What other God does this for their followers for his children i am absolute he says again i am absolute drink of me breathe me in i am restoration Take of me. Again, take of me. Breathe me in. It keeps again repeating. I am forgiveness. I am love. I am peace. Are you not my children? So therefore, you are peace. You are forgiven. You are free. I have made you absolute. And he says again, I am breaker of all chains. Do not tie yourself back to what has capped you down. Church, stand firm. Stand firm in him. As you stand up, stand firm in him. In Jesus' name. 
You are blessed. Amen. If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this. Thank you.